It's time for Hawk Central. From the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station. Early edition of Hawk Central on this Wednesday, 5.30 to 6.30 tonight with Chad Leistico, Mark Emmert, and me, Ross Peterson, getting you through all the Hawkeye stuff that uh, you really need to know, I guess, here on an April 4th. And there is a lot of information, actually. A lot of times we get into this slow season between basketball and football and it, uh, you know, we, we're filling this time with interviews. We'll get to some news on interviews coming up in a few minutes. But today's show is going to be pretty packed. We've got a lot of stuff to get through and several question marks, I think, on the rundown, at least on my end. Chad Leistico, how are you, sir? Good. I always overbook, don't I? Overbook no, stuff. No, this is great, man. No. We've got a lot of topics. We do have a lot. And Mark Emmert, you're going to help us get through a bunch of these also. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I want to start right away with this Isaiah Moss news that he is going to kind of uh, dip his foot in the NBA waters, at least go through this evaluation process. But that's where most of my question marks are here, Mark. And I'm not sure how many of these questions you and Chad can kind of fill in for me. So let's just kind of jump in here and we'll see what you guys can 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 cover over. Does that sound, that sound good, Chad? Is that the right way to go about it? Yeah, I, I, Mark and I were uh, working on football stuff yesterday afternoon in Iowa City when when the email came across. Uh, definitely, I would say caught us off guard a little bit, Mark. Right? Yeah, certainly the timing of it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Our immediate reaction was okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think either of us. Think, Ours was the same here, right? You know, I, I, nothing, no harm done here. But it it also I think raises questions about. I mean, what's the plan here? What's what's realistic? What is the process? Does he even get a workout? Lots of questions. Mark, do you know a lot of the? Uh, do you know any of the answers to these questions as far as how this NBA evaluation actually works? Yeah, not a lot. No, I'm, I'm obviously uh, the only person I think who's been through it from the Hawkeyes is uh, Peter Jock, right? Okay. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Now, now with no. those workouts that Peter Jock went through, is this a situation? I mean, just. The logistics of this, does it look more like the NBA or the NFL Combine where they bring all these guys together to one location? Are teams coming to Carver-Hawkeye to watch? Did they come to Carver to watch Peter Jock? Did Peter Jock travel the country to see these teams? you know how that looked? Uh, I, I, can, I can say that Peter yeah. went to uh, New Orleans to work out with the Pelicans. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he got his journey kind of got cut short with an injury. Um, so he, you know... But this is just the third year that undergrads have been able to do this um, without hiring an agent. So I think, I mean, my perspective here is, and I, I talked to someone um, in the know this morning about this, is that uh, both sides are still kind of learning, you know, learning this process. And I think, obviously, it does not, for those that don't understand, it does not impact Isaiah Moss's college eligibility to be evaluated by NBA people at all, as long as he doesn't hire an agent. So. That's where the win comes in. Um, obviously, you know if you're looking at it from as a Hawkeye fan or follower or journalist, um, you you still wonder what you know. What are the options here for Isaiah right. Moss? I mean, he he could go. I mean, what if what if one team works him out? He may not get a workout. He may get one or two workouts. Tyler Cook, on the other hand, may get seven or eight. He's got a lot of upside. Uh, but what if one team works him out and says, you know what? You would be a good fit on our G League roster. We will, I mean, we will sign you as a free agent. They might tell them something like that, you know, for the minimum if you want, if you're interested in that. And maybe, maybe that's what he would like to do. Mark, and get, what and get you, different type of coaching? There's what, a lot of options here. 
Mark, okay, so Mark, what do you think the chances are that he's back at Iowa next year? Let's start there. Well, uh, I can tell you the chances that he'll be in the NBA are zero. So he's either going to come back to Iowa or, or, like Chad said, maybe explore the G League or go overseas, which means he has to hire an agent. But uh, I think uh, there's still a pretty good chance he comes back. I just don't. I mean, it's it's great for him to get this feedback for as much as he gets. I don't think he's going to get a lot of feedback, but uh, for whatever he can learn, and then you know he'll know a little bit more about where he stands in, in the eyes of professional scouts. But uh, I mean, I, I don't. You know, <laughs> most of these guys that are doing this are not going to go to the NBA, and they know that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the uh, what did you say, Chad? Feedback. What's the number on this? I, I, just as I was uh, walking out of my office today, I was counting up the list of early entries and. And actually, there's another one from Kansas that broke about 30 minutes ago. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the list of early entries that are hiring agents, and these are the early entries that is was 29 by my count. It could it could have grown by a couple in the last couple hours. Um, the guys that have entered but not hired agents were was up to 64. These are early entries, and that and would include Cook and Moss. That would, yep. and then there was another list uh, on this file. Of, of guys they expect to get some kind of announcement yeah. in one of those categories that yeah. was I would I didn't count it but it would look you know it's in the fifty range and there who knows there could be others too I mean I doubt Isaiah Moss would have been on that expected list so right. you're looking at you're probably looking at 150 early entries that doesn't count obviously the seniors um, entering the draft with all of them well you know all the Europeans yeah. Right. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. That's a good number two. And so the, that's where I think it's interesting to, have, to uh, because these NBA teams can't possibly work out 300 guys. No. I mean, obviously not going to. No. They're going to pick certain guys. Um, so then you just wonder. I did find out I, that uh, uh, generally these workouts get kind of set up through, uh, at least at Iowa, like Fran McCaffrey. He'll, it'll kind of go through him okay. to, to get these workouts set up now. A family member may talk to, you know, like Isaiah Moss went to Chicago Simeon, for example. They may have good connections there to whatever, you know, Bulls or any any team that any of their players have gone to and say, hey, give this kid a look. And they'll say, okay. Yeah. And then they'll give them honest feedback. And I'm told that they are very brutally honest about their feedback. So this that is a good thing. So if Isaiah Moss thinks, hey, I'm ready for the NBA, and then someone tells him you are not even close to ready for the NBA, that's probably a good thing, right? I think that you know it, it's he, it's a perspective he'd need to hear. Yeah. Any idea? And I don't think either one of you had a chance to chat with Isaiah. But any idea no. where this came from? Is this is Fran McCaffrey pushing for Isaiah Moss to go through this evaluation? Was this somebody? Any ideas on that, Mark? I, I don't know. Okay. I, I mean, I suspect it might be his father. I know his father's very involved in his, okay. in his playing, and and, uh, and, I, and that's that would be my guess. Somebody from the family. I doubt it was McCaffrey pushing this. Um, although McCaffrey obviously signed off on it and is endorsing it, but um, I'm sure it's some advice he's gotten through through a, maybe a high school coach or a, or a father or somebody in his family. Okay, uh, Tyler Cook, does this change our conversation with him at all, Chad? Uh, I, I mean, the pool of guys um, leaving obviously is very large. Uh, I think I think he has a very very outside shot, slim shot to be invited to the NBA Combine, which is, um, I mean, Peter Jock kind of barely got into that last year, yeah. and he was a you know, Big Ten's leading scorer, first team all Big Ten. Um, and, and that pool is usually around 60 players okay. in the NBA Combine. So that's a pretty limited pool. 
So I think he's going to have to rely on workouts, and I'm sure he's also got connections. Um, there's a good, you know, his his high school teammate was Jason Tatum. I'm sure he's got a lot of connections where he could get some workouts. Uh, I think, I I think there's a better chance that he's gone for sure than Moss. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would st- I would still put it in that fifty fifty range, maybe even a little higher than that that he's gone. Really? Yeah. Uh, okay. I was going to go the other way. I thought for sure you'd say a little higher than that that he's back. When we get back, we'll spend the last 10, 12 minutes of this hour talking about football. And again, uh, some football notes regarding the team. But more importantly, we have a really cool programming announcement. Coming up here with Hawk Central, uh, things going to get really interesting, not just for the three of us, but for you listeners also. We'll have all the details on that as we wrap up the 5 o'clock hour on Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. It's Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and 14C KXNO. Wrapping up the 5 o'clock hour, Hawk Central will be with you here until 6.30 tonight, so about another 40, 45 minutes with Mark Emmert, Chad Lysico, and myself. We want to move on to football, and Chad mentioned at the beginning of the program that he felt like he put too much stuff in today's program. I don't think that's the case. Chad does an amazing job of putting this program together, and things are going to get a little bit more interesting in the coming weeks. Chad, we got some really good la- uh, news last night about the future of Hawk Central. Yeah, for the third straight year, we, we got it confirmed. Uh, we got it okayed through Kirk Ferentz that we will have all every Iowa assistant on the program um, kind of in the late spring and, and almost through the summer. It'll actually go into July. So we'll start, and we'll get Kirk Ferentz, for, like like I've done before with some of those one of those sit-downs. So um, that'll start April 25th. So He's very, not going to come on, let Emmert and I fire, uh, fire missiles well, at him? Uh, I'll, I'll ask yeah. him. I'll ask him. <laughs> No, but uh, <laughs> April 25th, we'll start that as the plan anyway, okay. and uh, that's always exciting. That's uh, that's good off-season ac- access yeah, no kidding. that uh, not many others get. So. so three weeks from now, we'll start that process. Uh, a few other things, because you guys, we don't have to look three weeks into the future. You've had a little bit of football access this last week. Now, Mark, am I wrong? It was Polisek on Tuesday. You guys got to talk offensive line a little bit? Yeah, him and uh, Derek Foster, the running back coach, okay. and talked to about uh, five or six players as well. Uh, yesterday. So, what did we learn from Polisek? Well, um, he had a really funny line about guys uh, taking off the pajamas and putting on the big boy pants. And uh, mm-hmm. the one guy he mentioned there was uh, Cole Banwart, um, sophomore right now, backup center, but he's also uh, working in at uh, starting right guard for now since uh, Levi Paulson is out with an injury. Looks like for the rest of the spring. So. Uh, there's a name to keep an eye on. Obviously, they're really high on that kid. He suffered some injuries last year, so I never got to see him play. But uh, but uh, he's backing up center and also starting at right guard right now. That tells me that he's in their top six or seven offensive linemen. He'll probably play this uh, this fall. All right, Chad, that's a new name for yep. me as a Hawkeye fan. I'm just kind of doing my quick searches here. He's a kid that went to Algona. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so an Iowa boy. What do yep. we need to know about uh, Cole Banworth? Yeah, well, I mean, the main thing is uh, we haven't seen him play, really. Uh, like, uh, his big problem is staying on the field. He's been injured um, here and there, so that's that's always not the best thing. He's 6'4", 296. He's a sophomore. Um, the other guy that uh, that came up yesterday was Mark Kallenberger. Now, he's actually – he actually redshirted this past year. Uh, he, was a, he was a pretty big prospect out of Bettendorf on the offensive line. They list him at 6'6", 282. And uh, right now he is the backup tackle, the top backup tackle, uh, as a freshman um, to Alaric Jackson and Tristan Worf. So that was another guy that uh, that seemed like he had some promise. So uh, could be in that top seven or maybe top eight. 
the other thing that uh, we learned is that uh, maybe Tristan Wirfs won't be the left tackle after all. Um, <laughs> Misprint on the depth chart? Is that what yeah, that yeah. No, uh, that's what, uh, the offensive line coach said uh, when they run their first drill that uh, Alaric is the left tackle and Tristan is the right. Hmm. And a lot of that has to do with uh, which guy is stronger with his left hand and which is stronger with his right. So there may be a method to that madness. Uh, that said, they are trying to get them acclimated to both sides of the of the line of scrimmage. Um, so I, now I've changed my opinion. I think Worfs will be the right tackle, uh, <laughs> and Alaric Jackson will be the left tackle because it sounds like he's better with his left hand. Mark, anything else you'd want to add? They'll from... be just fine. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the bottom line with that uh, offensive yeah. line, kind of like we talked about last year. You can move some pieces around. You've got a lot of good brains there trying to. Uh, move these kids along. So, and they're not going to put them in bad positions. Um, is, is anything else with the offensive line, Mark? I wanted to ask Chad because I know Chad wrote the piece about sitting down with uh, or the conversation with running backs coach Derek Foster. Was there anything else you want to talk about with the offensive line that we should know? Well, I think the only thing I would mention is that uh, Keegan Render moved to center. Um, he is the clear leader of that offensive line. Uh, you can just tell by from what uh, Paul Sex said. He's the most vocal kid. Obviously, he's the most experienced uh, offensive lineman there, too. But uh, there's a reason why he's at center. He thinks like he can be a better leader from that position. So it sounds like to me that he's going to be staying there uh, throughout this year. Yeah, they'll play the top five. It's you know either way, but it's I think Render, Werfs, and and Jackson. I think we can we can all pencil in yeah. probably at those spots yeah. right now. And then uh, the competition at guard will probably heat up uh, throughout the summer. How much competition are we going to see at running back, Chad? You've uh, you you wrote the piece about Derek Foster, or your at least yeah. the conversation you guys had with him, yeah. and we know that there's a couple of good names there for. Uh, for Hawkeye fans, what's going to happen? Well, I think the the big takeaway that, or two is uh, we knew that this was a small position group right now. They've got four scholarship available guys, and uh, Torn Young um, really seemed to get a lot of praise, and he was one of the guys that we were able to interview yesterday. And uh, he just kind of has all the pedigree you want from a workhorse back. Um, he's he's a big guy. He's five foot eleven, two twenty one. Um, I think every time Mark that we've seen him. Kids Day, spring game, even the limited action, I felt like he's been pretty impressive in terms of yards after contact, um, kind of being that reliable type of guy. And then when you look back at his high school numbers, I mean, the guy was uh, absolute workhorse, 333 carries. Never throwing the ball. Yeah. (laughs) In Wisconsin. He was in Madison, Wisconsin. So. Um, and, and he also has uh, a lot of leadership qualities that they look for in these guys. So uh, every t- as they kept mentioning him, I kept thinking of like a guy like Mark Wiseman. I know that might not be what fans want to hear. Um, you but, and by that you mean durable. What's uh, wrong with Wiseman? I yeah, mean, I'm I'm talking about the <laughs> the positives. You know that the yeah. You know I think people got up. He said he they, people said he couldn't run the outside zone. That may be true. Uh, I don't think they're going to ask Torn Young to run a lot of outside zones. I think they're going to ask him to run a lot of uh, one cuts up the middle, and that's something he's working on. But uh, he's a guy that I think could give him four four and a half yards of carry pretty consistently. Because we were, and he's their best receiver out of the backfield. So that's so, what it, that's what Derek Foster said. Yeah, because we were so good with our predictions on basketball. Uh, oh no! Tell me what? Uh, how much of the split does Ivory Kelly Martin see at running back? Torn Young gets 60% of the carries? Well, I think it's – I mean, it's still too early to tell, but if we're talking about right now, I think it's 60-40 okay. probably. Right. Don't you think, Mark, something like that? Maybe even 65-35? Yeah, it's never too 35? early. We can, we can put any number we want out there. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm <gonna 30>. Go <laughs> for <the> it. <laughs> we haven't seen a third running back yet, so. <laughs> Will there be one, Mark? Those two. You think there's oh, a third? I think there's going to have to be, yeah. Yeah. There'll be one somewhere. 
could be a grad transfer, could be a true freshman, but they're, they're going to have to find at least a third, maybe a fourth. Yeah, that's the thing about this running back position is, okay, so they, they feel pretty good about uh, Torn Young and Ivory Kellen Martin. Remains to be seen how it hold, how they hold up, but if you're in a blowout situation or a mop-up situation, whatever, you're not going to want to trot them out for all these carries, so you got to have somebody there. So right now, it, you know, is it Keyshawn Bryan? Is it one of these freshmen coming in that, that kind of takes over that number three role? And someone always gets hurt. Peyton, <laughs> Unfortunately, Man- I hate Peyton to laugh. Manziel, quarterback keepers. <laughs> yeah. So the, the two <laughs> guys, Wildcat. Yeah, yeah Wildcat, exactly. Henry Guile and Samson <laughs> Evans seem to be the two guys coming in. So yeah. I, I, they will get immediate looks, no doubt about it. You did have a chance to, to sit down with a few players, or at least um, did you get any access to players, Chad? I know you wanted to talk a little bit about linebackers and tight ends. Yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll start here with uh, kind of a conversation with Aaron Menz that I had. Um, he he kind of uh, personnel wise he kind of uh, indicated that he's kind of solely working at the weak side linebacker and he said Amani Jones uh, he, although he's not in the depth chart of middle linebacker is definitely playing a lot of middle linebacker and i will say hmm. uh, when we were waiting for that open practice the other day when i was able to peer through the glass before we were allowed in i saw Amani Jones running with the ones you cheater i know i know at middle linebacker so you're going to be denied uh, your access you no, keep no, no. reporting stuff like yeah. that <laughs> Hey, men's told me it, so now I feel like I'm okay, clear to right, say. Right. So yeah, makes sense. Uh, so I, I, I think it's possible that you know, it could be a Jones men's combination. Could be Welch men's. Could be Welch Jones. Hockaday could be in there. I just think that that's going to be fun to monitor. And then Mark, you got a chance to uh, chat with Amani Hooker. Yeah, he was there. Uh, uh, talked uh, actually at length. He's a he's a pretty interesting young man. Um, talked a little bit about that Ohio State pick six. <laughs> which he said was just another play, not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. But then he admitted that he's, he's watched the replay about 100 times. So, uh, <laughs> I, think I, I think it was more than just another play, uh, both for the program and for him. But uh, but uh, he did say that that, that actually kind of kick-started his uh, season, gave him a lot of confidence after that, that he you know that he felt like he belonged out there. And uh, that was that was a pretty big moment for both the team and himself. And uh, he's playing exclusively at strong safety right now as the number one there. And I think that's where he's going to stay. But uh, he is also the backup uh, in the nickel at the Leo. So um, something to keep an eye on. He said he'd be fine moving there if that's what they want to do. He doesn't put on a little weight. He's at 208. But uh, but if they ask him to do that, he said he's certainly willing to do that. So it's, uh, he's, uh, he's in a pretty good spot right now. He's, he definitely feels like he's one of the leaders in that defense now after what he was able to do last year, including that, that big pick six. Do we have time for a tight end note, even if it's from me and not Mark? You bet. Yeah. we got a minute here. Yeah. Is it okay, Mark? Yeah. Uh, talked to TJ Hawkinson for a little while yesterday. Um, name we kind of forgot about a tight end, I think. Yeah. Drew Cook. Drew Cook's uh, making make making a big jump this spring, is what I hear. Good deal. Yeah. Former, I hadn't forgotten. Former cornerback. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the depth chart, yeah, but 6'5, 250. They list him at 250 now. Son of Marv Cook. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Here's what we're going to do. When we get back, and we'll spend this last half hour kind of looking at Chad's piece from Sunday, what should expectations be for year two out of this uh, revamped Hawkeye offense? Brian Ferentz, there is no learning curve anymore. He's supposed to be there after a year in the fire. What can we expect year two? What's fair? Uh, We'll go through a bunch of numbers that Chad put together for that piece. Really good stuff. That's how we'll wrap up Hawk Central. Matt Bain will join us last half of the program. It's Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Six o'clock hour here on 1460 KXNO. Last half hour of Hawk Central. 
with Mark Emmert, Chad Leistico, and we're going to get through our final football notes here in about 15 minutes or so. We'll hook up with Matt Bain. Matt is the recruiting guru for the Register and for Hawk Central. We'll talk to him about some of these grabs that uh, Coach Ferentz has been able to get a hold of these past couple weeks and what that means for the program. Chad, you wrote a piece that uh, for Sunday's paper that asked some really good questions and is a good discussion to have right now, and that is expectations out of year two for this Brian Ferentz offense. It, for those that maybe didn't read us, give us kind of the, the, the overall theme of of the piece. Yeah, I think uh, uh, let's start with the optimistic stuff here. Um, there, there's not nowhere to go but up in a lot of ways if you look at these numbers. Um, they were 117th in total offense last year out of 130 teams. Um, but there are a lot of positive indicators um, when you talk to these guys and understand um, the jumps that can be made in year two of a system. Uh, the install for like this time last year, they were just naming plays and just getting to know the language and stuff like that. Now it's more refining these things. So, um, that's a really big deal. Um, obviously having Nate Stanley at the helm, um, in year two is going to make a big difference. He's, um, by all accounts, really grown in, in leadership and understanding of the offense. Again, now he's in the in the mode of working on ball placement as opposed to trying to figure out what the you know where receivers blank, are blank, going blank to be is, yeah, yeah. Right. and so uh, you know there are a lot of positive indicators there. Typically, you can make a of a significant jump in year two. You know now that Brian Ferentz's system is sort of getting understood more by the program, they can all coach it better now. I mean, um, so that's kind of the the premise of the article. But then the discussion I think worth having off this is. What does Iowa need to do with this offense? What is acceptable? What should expectations be with the personnel that they have? And that's where uh, outlined a lot of the numbers from this program over the last several years. Um, as Ross and I were, what was the word we just mentioned? As Depressing. We at these? Yeah. Depressing is Depressing. the right word. <laughs> and, and Mark, again, this goes. This is why I love having you be a part of this because I'm way too close to this. I I bleed black and gold. I love the Hawkeyes. But when I see this, that's exactly what I think. I, I expect the Hawkeye football team to show up in these national rankings a little better than this. Um, 97th in rush offense last year. That's the one number that I think is the most depressing when we go yeah. back and think about our expectations at the beginning of the season. I would have expected the Hawkeyes to be maybe in the top 50 of rush offense in the season. Pass offense is actually one that's not depressing. It's, it's, I'm surprised they were that high. They were 70th last year. But their total offense, 117. So just look at that total offense number for the past couple of years, 117 and 121. That's out of 130 teams. Your total offensive rank was in the, in the bottom 10% or 15% of the league. Um, that's that's de depressing to me. Right, but 66 in scoring offense. That's, yeah, that's value the point. Yeah. Yeah. Middle, That's exactly in the middle. Yeah, that's what's interesting. I mean, that's not great. I mean, that, that is a discussion point. I mean, obviously, points are what you go for. Now, a lot of these, in last year's case, were defensive points, and that goes into scoring, you know. So, you know, because Josh Jackson had, had some pick sixes. Uh, I think there was another one. In, oh, yeah, Brandon Snyder had one. Amani Hooker had one. We just mentioned it. Mentioned it. So, anyway. So what expectations, uh, Chad, I think – and I would love to hear from fan, you guys out there. Two eight four five nine six six. What are your expectations for next year's offense? 
first next year, and then let's talk about like yeah. Iowa in general. Or yeah, what right, I th- right. Because next year, I think Hawkeye fans are going to look at this as you've still got a, a sophomore quarterback. You're going to have two running backs that, for the most part, are in their first year of uh, of starting duty. We have very unproven wide receivers. The only offensive group that we seem to have a lot of confidence in is the tight ends, and then that offensive line has has some question marks right now too because you lost James Daniels and Sean Welsh, yeah, and Sean yeah. Welsh, two great, two very good offensive linemen. So mm-hmm. I think next year expectation should be a slight improvement. You really? don't, I, I do. I, I think, think a big improvement should be expected. I don't know if that's realistic, Chad. I hope you're right, man. Can you explain to me why do you have why do you think big improvement? Just because of the familiarity? Well, I guess you have to define big, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the 2015 Iowa offense. I mean, you wouldn't say they had just playmakers everywhere. Uh, that team finished 49th in rushing, 89th in passing, 72nd in total. That's I mean, to me, that would be a what's that? 45 yeah. spot jump in yeah, total that'd offense. Be, that'd be a, I would agree. That'd be a big improvement. So. Yeah. Um, now, in the article where I kind of put, uh, and this will be a good discussion point for us to have, I'd be curious what you think, where I put where Iowa needs to get is, was, I looked at Wisconsin's um, offense last year. Okay. Because this is, uh, now, I'm, a, I'm not going to say Iowa's going to have as good a defense as Wisconsin. Obviously, I don't think they will. But that team went 13-1. and one. They run a similar style. I mean, yeah. Iowa gets dinged for not running the fast-paced style that a lot of these other teams run obviously so they're they're going to get ranked lower because they don't run as many plays which is why i put yards per play on here but wisconsin in 2017 had the number 51 total offense in in the ncaa and they finished 13 and 1 at 415 yards per game they were 28th in scoring at 33.8 and 29th in yards per play at 6.09 i don't think that that is an unreasonable goal to have maybe not this year but maybe in 2019. Right. All right, we've got some listeners that want to join in, then we'll get uh, get Mark's take on this too. Alex has some expectations for the passing game next year. Thanks for giving us a call on Hawk Central. Alex, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Um, I guess my sort of my two questions in one were, I was just curious if anyone knows the last time that Iowa had a 1,000-yard receiver over, over a season, and then second, um, do we have any candidates this year that might be able to surpass the thousand yard mark? And I'll hang up, hang up, and, and listen. Thanks, guys. Alex, thanks for the phone call, man. Chad, I'm going to defer to you for the as our historian here. Last yeah, Marvin off. Marvin McNutt was okay. was kind of the biggie, um, so he would be the last, and um, he's the all time leading receiver for a season. If but, you were going to put a Hawkeye in at thousand yards, is a lofty mark. Mm-hmm. Is Nick Easley the guy that you'd have to put there, though? I would not, Mark. I'll let you answer since this is your category. I put, I put no offense. There you go. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I'm thinking purely I, I receiver, and I should have, yeah. I, I should have just thought targets. Happen, right. Okay. I don't think it'll happen, but he's he's the best. He's the, he's the number yeah. one guy. That's yeah. yeah. He'll get 900. <laughs> Mark, what and are then declare early? Mark, what are what's a reasonable <laughs> yeah. expectation for this offense next year? Well, I mean, I I would say probably somewhere between you and Chad. I mean. Uh, to get to 6.09 yards per play, that that would be the most they've had in recent history for an Iowa offense. I mean, but you look at what happened in Greg Davis's year too. They they scored seven points more a game in the second year than they did his first year. Now his first year was really bad, but uh, mm-hmm. if they could if they could bump up that point score, to me that's the mm-hmm. big one, and not rely on the defense to score points, but the offense to get in the end zone a little bit more. Um, get that up into the 40 range, 40th in the country. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that would, reasonable. That would be, yeah, I think that's reasonable. 
But I, I, I think the biggest jump might be year three than year two if they can keep Stanley here and, and yeah. start building around him because I'm just worried a little bit about the running backs in the, in the middle of the offensive line right now. That, and, Mark, that's what I wanted to get to is that kind of long-term because I think long-term you can raise that bar quite a bit from just next year. You, you get these guys yeah. maybe and that – I think they've got to find a better balance. Um, historically, they're much better when they're, when they're able to run the ball. Yeah. Seen that. And I think there's, maybe they're starting to move a little bit away from that because that's not the way the game is played anymore. So they've got to find a way to get that passing offense, I think, a lot better. And uh, that, that's going to take some time. Two eight four five nine six six. If you'd like to join the conversation, we'll have Matt Bain joining us in just a few moments. Anthony is on the phone with us right now. What's up, Anthony? Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing well, bud. What do you want to share with us? Yeah, you're talking about the expectations uh, for next year. Well, how about the uh, the specialty teams? And how does the specialty teams uh, and punt returns and kick blocking uh, or kick blocking your Luckily for you, Anthony, we have got the special teams guru of gurus when it comes to the Hawkeye football team. <laughs> Mark Emmert lives and breathes punters, return teams. Uh, he does. Yeah. I'll, I'll attest to that. There's a lot of questions there, though. That's the problem. We, we, we actually get to talk to LeVar Woods on Friday, yep. their special teams coordinator, as you know, for the first time. But, yeah, the punting competition, is uh, that's a two-person competition. That's the big one because it was bad last year. They got to replace, uh, you know, a kick returner and a punt returner. Those are both uh, up for grabs, as far as I know, right now. Um, maybe Ivy Kelly Martin has a leg up at the kick return, but uh, those are all questions to be answered. I mean, I think all we know for sure is Miguel Rostinos. I think is a very, very capable field goal place kicker. But uh, beyond that, uh, a lot of questions there on the special team. All right. So what we'll plan on Mark then is uh, since you're going to chat with Lavara on Friday next Wednesday. Big story for Sunday's paper. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll look forward in Sunday, and then we'll chat next Wednesday. We'll cut you loose because we're going to bring Matt on with us. Okay. Okay. Thanks Sounds a lot. Thanks. Talk to you soon. That's Mark Emmert, of course, from the Des Moines Register. Does some great work. One of my favorite dudes that we have uh, on the air. And this guy has become one of mine. I just got introduced to Matt a few months ago, and he's uh, a really nice guy. I enjoy his work. Matt, thanks for giving us time today, buddy. How are you? Good man. Was I just hearing Mark talk about his favorite topic, special teams? As he was, yeah, reading? yeah. Well, yep. we, tight ends earlier. Yeah, Mark, Chad kind of <laughs> stole some of his thunder with the tight ends, but he he did he did hand it off to Mark like a good professional. So mm-hmm. okay, he's a writer by day, special teams whisperer by night. Yeah, so right. He got his bill tonight. We actually one of the reasons we cut him loose also is because uh, we we wanted space for you, obviously, but. Mark, just like me, man, there's, there's not that huge interest in recruiting. That's kind of become your beat, and that's why we've brought you on here, uh, Matt. So let's talk about a few of these guys that the Hawkeyes have grabbed and what this maybe means for the program, how important this is, how excited Hawkeye fans should be. The first name that jumps out is is Jack Campbell, an in-state uh, linebacker that the Hawks seem to be pretty pumped about and beat some other good teams out for. Yeah, Jack might not be the best 2019 recruit in this state. Some sites have him ranked fifth in the state. Some sites have him ranked sixth or seventh. But I do think he might have been the most talked about in-state recruit this offseason because this was one of those rare cases where Iowa and Iowa State were pretty much the final two. You'd think that those two schools would go head-to-head, one-on-one against each other for more recruits more often. But it really doesn't happen too often. But it did with Jack Campbell. Um, Iowa State in my estimation, was in the lead early. They offered him first. Matt Campbell did his thing. He, he made him a priority, texted him all the time, made him made it clear Iowa State wanted him. But then Iowa did its thing, caught back up, and became the clear favorite by the end. Um, and he wound up picking Iowa for a lot of different reasons. 
but one of the biggest reasons was Chris Doyle in that strength and conditioning program because he is a 6'3", 200-pound linebacker who needs to add a whole bunch of weight, but who, if he does add a whole bunch of weight, looks like a pretty dang good college linebacker. Chad, our Hawkeye fans, I've seen a lot, a lot of Hawkeye fans that are kind of puffing their chest because you beat out Matt Campbell for this. Is that, uh, is that one of the bigger parts of this story? What's the, what's the headline of landing Jack Campbell? Maybe. I mean, they, they've already gotten a lot of uh, good in-state offensive linemen, so I think okay. just uh, I think overall, don't you think, Matt? I mean, Iowa has really cleaned up in-state um, in the class of 2019 already, right? Yeah, yeah, they got the big guys early, Ezra Miller, Tyler Endress. Um, I, I don't think Max Duggan is going to either Iowa or Iowa State. Right. Um, Iowa, Iowa State has gotten some really good mid-tier guys. They've gotten Darian Porter, a wide receiver out of Bettendorf I really like. they got Jake Remsburg, the big lineman out of West Des Moines Valley. Um, but no, Jack Campbell, Iowa State obviously would have wanted Jack Campbell. He, he reminds me a lot of Dylan Doyle after Dylan's junior year where you could see this guy with a big, huge frame, but just once he added some weight, man, he was already good without weight. But once he added some weight, he could be special, and we saw what Dylan did. Um, and I expect the, the same from Jack. I mean, he's, he's deceptively strong, deceptively fast, but, but once he puts on some weight, he can, he can really be special. We spent a little bit of time right before we brought you on and before you heard Mark talk special teams, talking about the running back situation at Iowa, and there's not a lot of depth there right now, and both these guys are pretty young. But, uh, man, looking at the future, Jarrell Brock, a guy that we should keep an eye on, right, Matt? Yeah, one of the best running backs in the Midwest. He's uh, the two four seven Sports Composite has him as the number ten running back in the entire class of twenty nineteen. Um, I would say right now he's at the top of the running back board for Iowa. Number two might be Brees Hall out of Wichita, Kansas. But Jarrell Brock, six foot, one hundred ninety five pounds. He he's a guy who can truck you over, run you over, uh, but he'll also make you miss in a phone booth. He's got some great finesse moves. Just a really good combination back. Um, Iowa and Iowa State are two of the big schools that are after him right mm. now. And then Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois are also taking looks at him. This might be another situation where it's down to Iowa and Iowa State in the end. He's got great relationships with both, um, and both fan bases should be paying a lot of attention to Quincy, Illinois, where Jarrell Brock is from. Jarrell Brock, one of the best running backs in the Midwest. And you think it comes down to Iowa, Iowa State. That could be a fun one. David Bell was another name I just saw. This is the kid that we talked with um, – uh, uh, Rob Howe from HawkeyeNation.com about him yesterday. He's a four-star wide receiver from Indiana. We normally don't hear those things together as far as recruits at Iowa, Matt. What are the chances that the Hawkeyes actually bring in a a burner on the end? I I would say not good at this point. Okay. I, think, I think Iowa is definitely one of the schools he's considering because Iowa has some great, great groundwork laid in Indianapolis. Um, they've got Julius Brent, who David Bell is really good friends with. They're teammates at Warren Central in Indianapolis. But when you are a top, a top tier receiver, huge top flight receiver, elite four stars, when the Penn States of the world, when the Ohio States of the world, when when all the big passing schools are offering you, it's going to be hard in my mind for too many things to go right for Iowa to beat out an Ohio State. I'm going to be boring and say I think he's going to Ohio State because. I think if you're an elite wide receiver offered by the Buckeyes, that's where you go. Um, but Iowa does have a, a a hand in the fight. They've yeah. got a shot. David Bell has visited a couple times. Yes, those visits have gone well, but I have never heard of an unofficial visit that hasn't gone <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> but, <laughs> I hated my time there. I didn't like the coach. It was awful. All the stuff they showed me. Ugh. <laughs> 
They showed me um, these low light videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking at four star prospects out of the Midwest, I think Darrell Brock is super realistic. Okay. Talking to him, it seems like Iowa's got a great shot. Uh, David Bell would would definitely be more of a dark horse for Iowa. Be a big upset, but that's see that's the thing about Iowa football recruiting. They just can never get that big time wide receiver, they, right? They never can. You know, all the Adri- I, I think Adrian Arrington, Oliver Martin, right, um, right. You know, guys from the I past think this one would hurt Amara Darbo. Yeah, I mean, right. So it just it's. It's just it's almost cruel for the Hawkeye fans. I think that, that David Bell's kind of dangling there and, <laughs> and enjoying his official visit, unofficial visits. So, but but Matt is right on this one, and that's why there is some uh, you know you know hope. I think from from the recruiting fans that hey maybe these connections that I was building in Indianapolis because yeah. they they do mm-hmm. have these guys. Um, you know. Sometimes that's some maybe that could swing them, and maybe they can get this big. Other thing I was waiting for Matt to say the the thing, and it might be a joke, might be you know self-effacing, whatever. He can play right away. He they, can play this year. They need right. right exactly. They need the help out there. So that right. that would seem like that's part of the sales pitch. Also, is man, you come here six you're four gonna, one ninety. You're going to make an right? impact right yeah. away. Yeah, six four. Well, one that nine. that was why a lot of people had hope that Oliver Martin would come. Right, L- lives in right. Kinnick's backyard. He would have been a four year starter right away. Uh, I think David Bell not choosing Iowa would hurt a lot less than Oliver Martin. Yeah, that makes sense. Iowa. Yeah. Let's uh, chat some hoops, Matt, because you're going to be spending some time here in the uh, the. Uh, AAU off season. So let's talk about yep. 2019 basketball recruits. Well, first on the list would definitely be DJ Carton yep. for Iowa fans. Um, he was just in Wisconsin last weekend for uh, for an NY to LA AAU circuit event. There were no college coaches there, but he was dunking on some of the best players in Illinois while also being the smart point guard he always is. So he he's going to explode again. He, his stock was already soaring last off season. I think it's going to soar again. I think he's going to get at least four to five more offers. And for some reason, I'm curious what you think on this, Chad. For some reason, I just see him winding up like in the Big East or the ACC, mm. somewhere like Xavier or Virginia or something like that, because I do know Virginia is interested. He's talked to me a lot about that. But maybe the Big East could jump in this offseason. Yeah, he's. I guess the he's the guy that um, he reminds me of a little bit is this Max Dugan, you know, a guy that's in-state. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of on one of the borders, but but I'll be kind of gradually picking up big time offers. Um, that's where I kind of see it going. But I do know from what you've reported, and you've done a great job on this, that Iowa is you know certainly has done everything it can to be at the front of the pack on this. So um, yeah, and and they, I do I do believe, and maybe it's uh, you tell me if I'm off here. I mean, having a a guy like Patrick McCaffrey and a guy like Joe Wieskamp, um kind of already on board. Um, that can that can do nothing but help. Oh, of course, of course, it helps because he's also very close with both of them. You yeah. know, it'd be one thing if he hate, hated Patrick, but it's hard <laughs> right. to hate Patrick. Um, yeah, really. <laughs> but no, he's, he's got good relationships with both. Um, I think that if his recruitment kind of stays where it is, where he's getting a lot of Midwest interest, uh, which is where it is right now, I, I think you're right. Iowa is right at the top of that because he's told me straight up. They've made it clear they want me as a point guard. They've yeah. made it clear that's a priority, and they want me for that. I think if you get the national players starting to jump in, the Midwest players, and, and including Iowa, might fall down a little bit down the pack. But another point guard to look at then would be Tyrell Terry out of Minneapolis, De La Salle, and he is going to be playing his AAU ball with D1 Minnesota with Patrick McCaffrey. So they're going to be AAU teammates this offseason. 
So Patrick has told me he's going to be talking his ear off day in, day out to try to commit to Iowa. Matt, at this point, is Tyreek LaCour just not that high D1 prospect? Right now, he would be in the – so DJ Carton would be A option. Uh, Tyrell Terry would be the number two option for Iowa. And then Tyreek Secure would be in a group of point guards who are the number three. Okay. Um, if if Iowa swings and misses on Tyrell and DJ, I think Tyreek gets an offer. And I think that that would be a very hard offer to turn down. Right yeah. now he's a legit mid-major prospect with offers from Drake and North Dakota and interest from countless others, including Middle Tennessee, which really likes him. Um, but he's not at that high major level mm. yet. And Iowa would have to miss on DJ and Tyrell uh, in f- order to offer Tyreek. He's a good fun get for Drake at yeah, Des Moines North. Des Moines North. Yep. Yep. Matt, thanks that's for the time, good, man. good option, Steve. Yeah, of course. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Matt Bain right, covers recruiting. You can see all that work at hawkcentral.com. Also, Chad, we have about a minute left here, and I don't, I maybe didn't leave enough time for no, this okay. because it's a fun topic. We had Spencer Lee on with us last week, yep. and you asked Spencer two weeks, uh, no, about, yeah. two weeks ago. You asked him about this hole on this lineup at one thirty-three. Maybe something happening there. Yeah, one of the one of the biggest uh, transfer um, transfers on the market um, happens to be at one thirty-three. Uh, happens to be the only guy that beat Spencer Lee in high school and happens to be a guy that Spencer Lee has a, a good relationship with, happens to be from Pennsylvania. His name Happens to be that Spencer Lee brought his name up to us two weeks ago. <laughs> and happens to, uh, leaving Drexel University. Uh, full reported, release. Reportedly has had a full release, wow. 133 pounds. As a true freshman this year was one win from the All-American stand. At Drexel. And is looking for a tough wrestling room. So I know one. Align all these things, but there are a lot of colleges already after him. Penn State among them. Makes sense. Chad, keep yeah. us up to date on that one. That'll be that could be a really good one as this Hawkeye team trying to close that gap yeah. with Ohio State and Penn State. Fun show with Hawk Central. We'll be back at it tomorrow morning. Morning Rush will start at six AM right here on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO.